Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. For Tony Khan's All Elite Wrestling, like any upstart company, there were always going to be plentiful teething problems. And while so many of those issues have been tidied up by this point in the organization's lifespan, there are still some unfortunate problems that continue to plague the land of All Elite. I'm Andrew from What Culture Wrestling, and here are 10 things that AEW needs to stop doing immediately. Number 10. Exasperated Excalibur. Make no mistake about it, Excalibur is fantastic in his role at the AEW commentary booth. For the audience, AEW usually attracts, the pro wrestling gorilla co-founder is pitch perfect with his delivery, his knowledge and his overall enthusiasm for the AEW product. While it was initially somewhat cute to see Excalibur having to speed through a ridiculous amount of information in a short space of time, it's kind of got incredibly off-putting now to hear X genuinely run out of breath as he's tasked with hyping the action for upcoming AEW shows. Yes, this has become a running joke amongst AEW fans, but unfortunately Unfortunately, that joke is now old and, quite frankly, not that funny. Whether this is part of a wider problem with timing amongst AEW programming, that's up for debate. But regardless, it's jarring to hear Excalibur have 20 seconds or so to run through matches for next Friday's Rampage, Dynamite, possibly Battle of the Belts or a pay-per-view, and maybe even make the odd mention of something that's coming up on Dark or Dark Elevation. AEW should be commended for how much it announces and promotes matches and segments ahead of time, but the way in which the company does so needs to be improved. Number 9. Title Eliminator Matches WWE rightfully gets lambasted whenever it opts to use Championship Contenders Contests, and AEW likewise deserves the same response to the company's title eliminator efforts. In these AEW matches, someone has to defeat a champion in order to earn a shot at the title held by said champion. This, I mean, it's not a hard concept to understand, but it is a concept that is flawed on so many levels. If a talent wins a title eliminator and then goes on to win that championship, it means the then former champion has been beaten twice. If that talent wins a title eliminator, but then comes up short in their title match, that means the champion lost some shine due to having been beaten in a non-title contest. Of course, the other side of this is that certain title eliminator competitors are never going to realistically be the one to the throne the champion in question, which then brings a sense of predictability to all of this. For example, did anyone really think that the bunny would defeat Jamie Hayter in a title? eliminator and earn herself a shot at the AEW Women's Championship.
Championship? No, no they didn't. Number 8, those dreadful tag team names. Jungle Hook, FT Wardlow, Thunderstorm, Swerve in Our Glory, TayJ, Warjo, Hookhausen. Oh, okay, okay, Hookhausen isn't actually that bad. But those other names are all painful examples of tag names that have been featured in AEW so far. With all of those acts, it's not like they joined the promotion with those names already in place. Nope, instead, someone came up with those names and genuinely thought they sounded like a great idea. And in most cases, one would have to presume that the person coming up with that name, or at least giving their seal of approval, would be Tony Khan. By taking one element of wrestler A's name and adding it to one element of wrestler B's name, all that does is make the act in question sound like it was created by a 12-year-old who was naming tandems and factions for their universe mode on WWE 2K22. In all honesty, not every single tag pairing needs to have an official name given to it, particularly when a good chunk of those teams listed before were only ever designed to be short-term team-ups. Could we not have just referred to Wardlow and Samoa Joe's alliance as, well, Wardlow and Samoa Joe for that month that they had each other's back? Did the three-week buddy act of Jungle Boy and Hook really warrant putting the utterly awful Jungle Hook moniker out into the world? Number seven, ownership of contracts. It was groan-inducing when AEW first did a Wrestler A now owns Wrestler B story, and it's only become more and more nauseating with each subsequent time All Elite Wrestling has opted to revisit this particular trope. Back at the tail end of 2008, it was absolutely ridiculous to see Shawn Michaels become the property of JBL. Skipping ahead 15 years, it's just as stupid now to see such a storyline mirrored multiple times in AEW's relatively short history. Right now, Stokely Hathaway owns Matt Hardy and Private Party. Prior to that, Isaiah Casti and Mark Quinn's contracts were owned by Andrade and the Faction and Gobernobles. Before that, it was Hardy himself who claimed ownership of Casti and Quinn, and across all of this time, each and every step of this journey has been utter garbage. In this instance, everyone mentioned there that their talents were strong upsides, but it's not the talent that's the problem here. Instead, it's the childish booking decision to have a wrestler or manager assume control of a grappler's contract. Simply put, it's all just a bit daft, and not in a ha-ha funny way. Elsewhere, we also saw MJF claiming ownership of Wardlow for a spell, but at least in that scenario, it was long established that Wardlow was an employee of the Salt of the Earths, rather than being a contracted AEW talent. Plus, the uber-prick heel antics of Max had audiences clamouring for the war dog to finally be free of Friedman's clutches and to be able to lay hands on his old boss. For the likes of Private Party and Matt Hardy, not only has it always been presented that, you know, they worked for AEW directly, but the HFO and AFO guff left a stench on any and all stars it touched, much like the ongoing antics of the firm. Number 6, Battle of the Belts in its current form. Today, there have been five Battle of the Belt specials, with a sixth scheduled for this April. Yet, these events just aren't clicking in their current format. Of course, AEW is tied to delivering quarterly specials for TNT, but surely there has to be something better than this that the promotion can do with those quarterly slots. Currently, Battle of the Belts events are just there, serving no purpose, providing no drama, and being completely and utterly skippable if you're looking to see something newsworthy take place. Yes, Battle of the Belts has housed some very decent wrestling bouts across those five outings so far, but nothing of significant note has happened on 
any of these shows. And the most prestigious belt of all, as in the AEW World Championship, has yet to feature on these offerings. To show how little suspense there is for Battle of the Belt specials, there has so far been a total of 15 matches to take place under the Battle of the Belt banner. And in all 15 instances, the respective champions have retained their gold. Not just that, but the contests themselves rarely drum up even the slightest uncertainty when it comes to who will emerge victorious. Not to knock any of the talents involved, but did anyone really think that Dustin Rhodes was going to beat Sammy Guevara to become TNT champion at the first Battle of the Belts? How about Nyla Rose beating Thunder Rosa for the AEW Women's title at Battle of the Belts 2? Or Jay Lethal taking a TNT title from Wardlow at Battle of the Belts 3? Maybe the Gates of Agony best in FTR to become tag team champions at Battle of the Belts 4? Heck, what about Sky Blue being the one to bring an end to Jade Cargill's record-setting reign as a TBS champ at Battle of the Belts 5? While some of those named matches featured pretty solid wrestling, nobody in their right mind genuinely thought a title would be changing hands. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Number 5. Promo Interruptions One of the most annoying elements of professional wrestling is realising that the only reason a wrestler is stood in the ring cutting a promo is so that somebody else can come out and interrupt that promo. This is something that is so often prevalent in WWE and it's a problem that AEW likewise has had since the company's inception. In the case of WWE, there's at least a small chance that a talent will get to finish their words without interruption. Unfortunately, in AEW you can have entire 
episodes of Dynamite or Rampage go by without a single star being able to unload their entire diatribe. For the AEW haters, this has been one facet of the promotion's programming that has been a piece of low-hanging fruit to poke fun at. And while promo interruptions obviously have a role to play in any and all wrestling shows, the sheer number of these interruptions throughout a regular Dynamite is often comical. Whether it's in the ring or backstage, so few AEW promo segments play out without another wrestler entering from stage left or stage right. Seriously, if you ever feel like getting drunk while watching AEW Dynamite, take a shot every time a promo is interrupted. Can guarantee you, you'll be absolutely sozzled by the top of the first hour. Number 4. Presuming everyone watches Dark and Dark Elevation. Tony Khan himself has previously discussed how he views AEW Dark and AEW Dark Elevation as developmental shows designed for younger or more inexperienced talents to hone their craft ahead of breaking out on main Dynamite and Rampage programming. For non-televised shows that feature a lot of lesser known names and squash match showcases, that is absolutely the perfect way to utilize these YouTube shows. What's not ideal though is delivering main TV output that is reliant on your audience having watched Dark and or Elevation. To take an example, so much of the ongoing nauseating tale of the Stokely Hathaway and the firm owning Matt Hardy's contract situation, that's played out within the confines of YouTube. While the story has been featured on Dynamite as well, one has to have watched AEW Dark to be aware of the full ins and outs of that overall arc. It's great that Excalibur and Taz are on hand to recap any Dark developments, but this shouldn't need to be the case. And likewise, a quick line or two from one of the Dynamite commentary team doesn't give the full picture as to what may have transpired on YouTube. There is of course the argument that having storyline elements at play on Dark or Elevation can be viewed as a tool to drive TV viewers to your YouTube programming, but the reality is that those watching Dark next week will likely be the same people who always watch Dark regardless. Likewise, when, say, Powerhouse Hobbs randomly turns up on Rampage with a literal book of Hobbs in his hand during his entrance, those who haven't seen Big Willie bringing that book to the ring with him on Dark and Elevation in the prior weeks may be left a little confused as to why the fella is now doing so. Even worse, sometimes you have to watch Dark or Elevation to even realise that certain major names are still active, such as poor Hikaru Shida, spending several months of last year only competing on YouTube where it pertains to her AEW matches. Number 3. The Frequent Use of Blood When used correctly, blood in professional wrestling is an exceptional tool to have at your disposal. WWE may have a strict no blood policy in place these days, but many a wrestling fan will claim that the red stuff has a key role to play in the business. As part of an all-out war between two bitter rivals in a big match on a major pay-per-view and delivered at a point that feels logical and sensical in that match, blood can take a great fight to an entirely different level. Why do you think the term blood feud has historically had such an emotion-jarring serious ring to it? On the opposite end of the spectrum, if you're seeing bleeding bodies on free TV on a weekly basis, oftentimes in several matches on the same night, often in matches with zero stakes on the line or cold bouts between two random opponents, why is it particularly unique, attention-grabbing or noteworthy when the next wrestler is busted open? Like so much in professional wrestling, less is more. If you see the same thing on, say, Dynamite for the first 10 weeks of the year, what makes it so special when that same thing happens on week 11? Nothing, that's what. Number 2. Running the Gauntlet Making a heel uses sway to force a babyface to fight an uphill battle and overcome the odds, that can be a great tool when used effectively and sparingly. In AEW, this is a tactic that already feels overused when it pertains to making somebody run the proverbial gauntlet. Even now, AEW has just had two instances of a gauntlet challenge in place on its weekly television product. There was Brian Danielson having had to defeat five stars in order to get a crack at MJF and the AEW world title at the Revolution 
Revolution pay-per-view. While simultaneously, Ricky Starks was tasked with running the Garcia Guevara gauntlet to land a match with Chris Jericho at that same pay-per-view, despite Starks having already faced and beaten Jericho earlier this year. It doesn't make that much sense. Retreading familiar beats with any storyline is always a dangerous one, but to have the same narrative, as in beat a bunch of other wrestlers to win a shot at a certain superstar, playing out with two separate sets of talent on the exact same TV show each week, that's absolutely baffling. It may seem like an extreme example, but imagine that while the storyline of Steve Austin trying to discover who ran him over at Survivor Series 1999 was playing out, at that same time we had, say, Mick Foley involved in a similar story, where the hardcore legend was likewise trying to find out who had run him down. In that situation, the two similar stories dilute each other and make both feel less important, which is exactly what's happened with Danielson and Stark's respective gauntlets. Number 1. Referees are idiots. Like any new wrestling promotion looking to make a substantial mark on the industry, AEW had plentiful teething issues in its first few months and beyond. And while many of these problems have been resolved, one glaring issue the promotion continues to have is that its referees look like complete and utter idiots. One of the elements that helps to make professional wrestling great is that the sport has rules in place. By having clear markers in the stand of what can and cannot be done in any match, that creates anticipation, angst, and most importantly, can be a base to draw emotion from. In AEW, one of the biggest criticisms of the product is that rules are rarely adhered to, to the point it would be better just to scrap certain rules rather than continue to crap all over them. If wrestlers are only allowed to be outside of the ring for no longer than 9 seconds, lest they lose a match by countout, how limp and useless does a referee look when talents regularly brawl outside for anywhere between 30 seconds and 2 minutes? There are only so many times one of the commentary team can now note how official A is being lenient with their count before it just becomes lazy from all involved. Likewise, a traditional 5 second allowance for double team manoeuvres when a wrestler is tagged into a bout, that's another rule forever flaunted. It's unfortunately commonplace that a tag will lead to 20 seconds or so of double team offence with the referee simply standing there and admiring the action. And not to sound like the ultimate angry old man shouts at clouds, but AEW similarly has a worrying habit of any illegal interference taking place directly in front of a referee, only for that official to bafflingly have not seen the action, nor chastise the person responsible for it. So, there are 10 things that AEW needs to stop doing immediately. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Be sure to let us know in the comments. While you're there, be sure to like, subscribe, turn those notification bells on, come and give us a follow at WhatCultureWWE. Follow me if you want, at CulturedLeftPeg. I've been Andrew Pollard from WhatCultureWrestling, and I will catch you down the road. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.